What is going on, everybody? This is unlike any other, the UMAC episode number three. It is time for our men's 2021-2022 season preview. I'm Wyatt Morell, and with me, as always, is Ryan Mitchell. And for those of you who have been following us in this short journey that it has been so far, you know, we just did the women's preview. We had a lot of fun recording that one, and Ryan, I'm sure we're going to have just as much fun recording this one there's a lot of storylines we could get into but mainly we're just going to jump back and forth going from the top to the bottom of the conference from last year looking at some of these teams giving some predictions and kind of just giving a broad outlook and then the one other thing I think we'll touch on a little bit as well is going to be the absence of Saints Scholastica not being in the conference anymore so there's a lot to get into and unpack I'm sure you're excited about this one like I am. Yeah, plenty to get into, like you said, and if we touched on everything, we would be here for a couple hours, so we will not touch on everything in this episode, but nonetheless, Wyatt, with each and every one of these that we do, we keep saying hoop season is right around the corner, and what's ever closer to right around the corner, I mean, just down the hall, I think we're at that point now as it's almost November, we're getting real, real close to hoop season coming up here. Well, Ryan, anytime we talk, you you always say we could talk about something for two hours. That's literally any conversation we could have could (laughs) be for two hours. And we've actually done that before. So, but uh, yeah, before we get into it, Ryan, just a special thanks to you as well for doing this a little bit later. It's a Monday night right now. The Saints Seahawks game is wrapping up. What a terrible Monday night football (laughs) game it was this week anyways. So normally I would say you're welcome for letting you get to watch the end of that game before we started recording this podcast. But this week, it's almost kind of painful to sit and watch that one. So uh, anyways, but I appreciate you being willing to do this one a little bit later as I still am kind of recovering a little bit from a cold I had. So going to try and get through this one, but for the most part, feeling better and back to 100%. So I'm excited to get into it. You're a gamer, Wyatt. People will figure that out throughout the year, but you are a pure gamer and you're showing it tonight. Well, you know, I I was about to say, I mean, I'm going to say it anyways, even though it's not necessarily right at this point, you know, how Gruden used to have his Gruden grinders, but he's been canceled at this point, so (laughs) probably shouldn't reference him or bring him up, but uh, yeah, I guess we both could fall into that category, so why don't we just jump into it, Ryan, like we did last week and start from the top. And, you know, maybe we should just start right there and have a quick discussion because the team that was at the top is no longer in the conference, and that's the Saints. Why don't we just talk about, because we had this as a question earlier on when we started this podcast, was how is the absence of Saints Glasgow going to affect the conference as a whole? We didn't really touch on it on the women's side of things, but for the men, it's more impactful considering they won the conference last year. What do you think? How How is that going to make such a big difference in how things are going to shape out? And it's going to be weird not seeing the big games on the schedule have the Saints name on them. It is going to take a while to get used to why, uh, specifically for Northwestern, though, it will be continuing uh, the rivalry, if you will, in a sense. They will not play each other in conference, but uh, in November, both uh, men's and women's squad for Northwestern will meet up with St. Scholastica. But yeah, as far as the conference goes as a whole, it's going to take a while to get used to. We mentioned it briefly on the uh, women's podcast last week, but specifically here for the men's side of things, it's really going to feel different because of how much of an impact they've had over the last decade, really. And it seems like each and every season, I mean, it really has been that way for Northwestern that you and I know so well, facing off against Scholastica, whether it's in a UMAC semifinal contest or in a UMAC final. They've just been a staple in the conference for so many years. Coach Staniger's really built something 
pretty good up north there in Duluth, if you will, and uh, interested to see how they do in the Mayak. But yeah, it opens the door uh, majorly. I mentioned that in the women's podcast, really gives Northwestern, North Central, Bethany, we could go down the line and we will go down the line, all in a little bit more of an opening, if you will, in this UMAC conference to make some noise, move up the seed line a little bit, if you will, and positioning themselves for playoff basketball coming up later this season. But yeah, I mean, I, I'll miss them. I guess you can say that, Wyatt. I mean, you and I as Northwestern guys, we've seen plenty of them over the years, and those two are rivals, quote-unquote. But, I mean, they, you know, brought the conference to a new level, if you will, from where it was a long time ago. I mean, we're not historians going super far back um, for the UMAC, if you will. But they were good for men's basketball. We know that for sure. So it's it's going to take a, a while to get used to. But, yeah, I guess the main thing I would mention with that, once again, is it opens the door for other teams in this league. I have mixed emotions about it because as an athlete at Northwestern, big rivalry with Scholastica, obviously. So you don't really like those guys that much. So on the baseball diamond, uh, we're, we're happy to kind of see them leave the conference but at the same time you sent him off in the right way too people can look up how that well happened. we don't yeah we, we don't need to get into <laughs> that but we, look we, up, yeah <laughs> we we, cer- we certainly did but yeah just just to throw that out there but yeah like you said though it's not going to feel the same not having them in the conference and it will take a little bit to get used to and yeah they're going to play northwestern i don't know if they have other umac teams on the schedule this year but it's just not going to feel the same as when they were in the conference and it's just such a weird year for them to leave on after last year, it wasn't the home-and-home home series. You know, it was just the one game against every conference team. They run the table, win the conference. Staniger is coach of the year. Carlson is player of the year. There's a lot of holes to fill now and opportunities for these other teams coming in now to this season. So it, it is a big impact to have them gone for, for a lot of teams and uh, certainly something that will take some time getting used to. With that, we don't want to be here all night, so let's hop into it. The top team returning then is the Northwestern Eagles, Ryan, and they had a heck of a season last year going 17-3, and 6-2 and two in conference with losses to Sklaska, and then they dropped the one to Crown, which was Crown's win of the year by far. And for Northwestern, then they went on this great run after winning the UMAC championship by beating Sklaska in the tournament, got to participate in the NCCAA tournament, Ran the table there, national champions at that level of play. Noah Alm, first-team all-conference. Kyle Kamink, first-team all-conference. They're both back, which I believe for sure Alm, I don't know what, what his story is. He's like a sixth year, isn't he, by now? Because yep. he, tr- he he transferred in. This would be a COVID year, technically. And then as far as Kamink goes, I believe this would just be his fifth year maybe just his fourth of college I'm not sure how that works but they both elected to come back and play and you're looking at two guys that average 18 points per game so on top of that you've got a guy in Henry Fambule who uh, led led the team in blocks last year was double figure seven rebounds a game sports center top 10 for that crazy shot he hit and yeah I'm able to rattle off all these facts because I know Northwestern a little bit better I was there for some of those games got to call some of those games but this is a team, Ryan, we could go on and on about because of what they have returning and just the fact that they're so balanced, well-coached, and certainly probably the front runners with Scholastica gone to win this conference. We alluded to it a little bit in the last podcast, but they, they seem like they're going to be the cream of the crop up at the top and the rest of the teams are going to be chasing them. Yeah, well, at Northwestern, nine straight wins to close out last season. 
And to add to that, they won seven consecutive elimination games. So the UMAC tournament with those three wins, and then you mentioned the run in the NCCAA tournament uh, in Winona Lake, Indiana, winning that buzzer beater in the uh, regional championship and then going to Indiana and winning three there. And really for so many of those guys too, especially the likes of Henry Fambule, who you mentioned, he just kept growing throughout the season. And he especially came on in the NCCAA tournament. And for a freshman to have that extended playing time late in the season and to really get into a groove, I think will do a world of good for him going into the early stages of this season's campaign. So interested to see how that transition goes for him. And yeah, we can just, I mean, we can go on and on down the line. You mentioned Alm, you mentioned K-Mink. You got a senior point guard, Caleb Waldeck, back for Northwestern. You got other experienced role players as well for this team. And then some minutes still up for grabs, if you will, as far as rotational players go. But Owen Borma, you know, you can count on him. He's a great arm on the uh, baseball diamond not to uh, go back to baseball but that's really what uh, Owen is more known for if you will but very reliable forward who's in the right spot giving you key buckets at key times he'll be a junior this season and then not to mention Wyatt but you got a head coach now in his 22nd season and 400 plus wins and counting and a lot of experience beside him on that bench so again folks a disclaimer, we've said it before, we'll say it again. I may sound like a broken record, but we know more about Northwestern than other squads because we've been around it for so many years. We're looking to find out more about each and every squad throughout the season. So we'll try to uh, keep things limited on Northwestern side of things. But yeah, I mean, they're they're the favorite for a reason why with all that they have coming back and with how they performed last season. And, you know, I think for them, it's something that, they can build on that the other teams didn't have necessarily to play so deep into March and get so many games late in the season and coming back as defending national champions you know they'll they'll take that mantle as well and they know they have a target on their back though so you know the rest of the teams in this conference are going to be chasing hard after the Eagles this season yeah I was gonna say they're 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 definitely going to be the favorite but uh, as as one of my favorite coaches in college football says Kirby Smart if you listen to the media, it's just a bunch of rat poison. So if they listen to us and buy into this, oh, we're, we're just going to be the top, they could be in trouble. So they're still going to have to earn it and work for it because every single team in this conference is going to be chasing them and trying to knock them off, and you know they're going to give their best effort when they play the Eagles. So I would say, uh, it, you know, the media down south and that hotbed of college football is maybe a little different than the uh, Division Three limited media in the upper Midwest. So maybe rat poison is uh, a little too aggressive, but <laughs> I get what hey, you're saying. I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm just making sure for any Northwestern players that are listening to this, don't get full of yourself. You got to go out there and earn it every single yeah. day. So, and, and for the other teams that are listening to this as well, I, I said it in the women's podcast, use it as bulletin board material and go out there and prove us wrong. So... Uh, that that's what I would say on the Eagles, and really the only key player that they lost was Johnny Erickson. He was a four year, four year guy, and had some big moments in some NCAA tournament games. And he he's really the only core guy that they lose from last year that I'm aware of, at least, unless there's somebody else that comes to mind for you, Ryan. But yeah, they they lose Jacob Martin too, and he played limited minutes for that squad. And those two seniors were uh, you know valuable members of this Eagle squad, but plenty of talent going back, as you mentioned. And real quick, worth noting is. A transfer from Crown College originally, now on Northwestern's roster. Christian Moore, the super senior, if you will, out of San Diego. We'll see how things shake out once the season gets started, who earns those minutes, if you will. But that backup point guard position, 
really is open behind Caleb Waldeck at this point that Johnny Erickson had last season with those two splitting minutes, uh, taking the ball up the floor and running the offense for Northwestern because there's other off guards, two guards, if you will. I mean, Jacob Masick will get plenty of playing time for Northwestern and try to lock some things down defensively, and then there's some other forwards as well. But as far as a point guard goes, look for Christian Moore to uh, potentially slide in and be a key addition for Northwestern this season. And we'll maybe talk more about more when we get to crown and just his absence from them going into this year but we can move on for now and the next team I have Ryan which I think I wrote these down in order from standings you can correct me if I'm wrong but I have North Central next in line and that would be you taking the lead on this one that's correct Wyatt they're five and three in UMAC play last year nine and nine overall and interestingly enough for the Rams, Wyatt, last season was their most successful season in program history since they became a member of the NCAA and the UMAC Conference as well. They hosted a playoff game for the first time in program history, won a UMAC playoff game for the first time in program history, and really much like their women's squad, Wyatt, it all surrounds the three ball. At North Central, they call it hashtag downtown U. And it's, you know, that way, in case you weren't aware, their school is do, located. Do they actually call themselves that? You haven't seen that on social? I have other, not. That uh, That's that's the branding that they're trying to push out big time for North Central. So I guess they haven't grabbed you yet. They'll grab you eventually. But uh, Well, they got me now. I'm sold. I'm all about the three balls. So <laughs> yeah. they, it so, doesn't take much to get me on board. So basically, yeah, it's downtown U2 because it's in the heart of downtown Minneapolis. But then also it works for the basketball squad as well. We mentioned in the last pod how their women's team loves to share, spread the love around, spread the floor, have multiple shooters on the floor at all times who are willing to let it go without hesitation from deep. Same thing for this men's squad. Last year, they led the UMAC in three-point field goal attempts, makes, and percentage. They shot 41% as a team from deep, and they also shared the basketball, if you will, better than any other team in the UMAC, and we can get to into semantics about how that exactly equates. But Basically, they led the conference in assists with 130. So much like we talked about with Coach Brunner's squad on the women's side, Wyatt, there's no question what the identity is of Coach Dan DeWitt's club. He's coming into his third season at North Central. If that name sounds familiar, he was an assistant within the conference not too long ago at Bethany Lutheran, so making the jump into that head coaching position. And, Wyatt, they got a lot of talent coming back. Four out of their five starters from last season – Cam Thomas, Michael Filer, Jonathan Thompson, and Seth Fuqua all back for this club. They lose a couple key. Well, here's here's where we got to make the caveat again, Wyatt. I'm saying they lose a couple of the key point guards that they had with Dunlap uh, starting mostly down the stretch and then Castro coming off the bench. At the moment of recording, they are both listed as seniors on their roster. That is the most up-to-date, but that is listed as the 2020-21 roster. So... We could have a circumstance like we talked about with Northwestern, Noah Alm, super senior, and plenty of guys across the conference taking that extra year. Who knows? Castro could be back. Dunlap could be back. Neither of them could be back. Both of them could be back. Who knows? We'll wait and see on that. Regardless, though, they have a lot of production coming back. Yeah, like you said, I'm glad you you say that and bring that up because we're working with what we have, and we're going to assume the information the most up-to-date information that we have is correct. So maybe they're taking that extra year, maybe not. I'm glad you brought them up, though, because those were the two guys I had as key losses for him as well. The thing I wrote down for Dunlap is that he hounded defenders and had a very aggressive style of play. That's what I remember from him, and that'll be something that is missed from them from a defensive standpoint. But offensively, they're bringing back everything they need to 
win in shootouts and, and go for a run at this thing. To me, Micah Filer, Ryan, is w- probably the best player returning in the conference that wasn't given an award last year. He wasn't on any of the all-conference teams. But to me, he, he's just got so many pieces to his game that makes him a threat, and I think he'll take another big jump this year. And then they had the conference newcomer of the year, the rookie of the year, and Cameron Thomas. You talk about them wanting to shoot threes. I already forgot. What are they called? The downtown U. Hashtag downtown U, yep. Okay, it's going to take me a little bit to get used to it, but I'm We're on board that with it. Okay? Of love on this I'm, one. <laughs> I'm in support of it. I just need some time to familiarize myself with it. You got to have a big in the middle, though, that gets it to those shooters and is able to crash the boards and kind of be the glue of the offense down low. And that's what Cameron Thomas can be for North Central. So he can get those shooters involved. And yeah, I mean, this is a team I'm high on them. I think they got a good chance to be up there near the top with Northwestern chasing them. There's a lot to like. North Central in general, along with their women's team, really coming to life as a basketball program and and something that I don't think if you would have asked me a few years ago if I saw this or thought they would be where they were, I probably would have said no. So they've taken some big strides these last few years to get to where they're at, and I'm looking forward to watching them play again this year. Yeah, recruiting's definitely been taken to the next level at that program. And you mentioned Cam Thomas. He was just a freshman last year, and then the post next to him, if you will, Jonathan Thompson, also just a freshman. And they had those two matchups with Northwestern down the stretch last year. You and I remember the crazy overtime game on uh, February the 27th last year with all that went into that contest for the regular season finale and how North you're, Central... You're talking about the game at Northwestern? At Northwestern, correct. It was it was the last game you and I were on the call. I know you remember that one. Last one that yeah, you were Yeah, I remember a few key details from yeah. that one, and yeah. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, well, and, and going back to the recruiting thing, I mean, Thompson's from Missouri, and then Thomas is from Colorado, and those guys got... So many valuable minutes last year. I talked about similar with uh, Fonboulet for Northwestern turning into a sophomore. Well, you got two bigs for the Rams turning into sophomores, but already plenty of experience under their belt. You mentioned Filer. He's going to be junior turning into a senior. And then I want to mention real quick, Wyatt, before we move on from the Rams, Seth Fuqua was huge for them down the stretch in that game against Northwestern to get it to overtime. And when they need a bucket, they look to him. He unfortunately had that serious injury down the stretch last year, wasn't able to finish the season with North Central. From last I heard, it'll be a close call if he'll be available for the start of the season. That wasn't from an inside source from the Rams specifically, though, so I'm not sure exactly when he'll be coming back, but that's just something we're going to have to monitor. The sophomore turning into a junior, Seth Fuqua, the shooting guard for the Rams, what his status is at the start of the year because he's a big piece to that squad and making sure that their offense stays at the same high level going into next season. Two things, Ryan. One, I appreciate you having this information. That's why I love working alongside of you. I mean, you're pulling out this information. I I had no idea he maybe wasn't going to be ready to go in the first week. Second, you do need to do a better job, though, getting those inside sources. So that'll be your next step in this process is getting those sources and and people reach out to us if you want to be those sources and if you want to be unnamed you can let us know and say hey i got this information don't say exactly where it came from or if you know you want us to call you out and give you credit for we can absolutely do that if you have any info as always inbox is open uao the umac at gmail.com or just search us on twitter dms are open as well so we we welcome that information throughout the season 
It's a good plug. I like how you just nonchalant kind of threw that one in there. But I feel uh, like you're throwing up a softball for me there, and I, I feel like I hit it out. Of the <laughs> no, yeah, that's that that's good stuff. Um, I I am gonna say just really quickly on that. You give us faulty information though, and you you will not get any any kind of love from us again. Let's just put it that way. And uh, you send us stuff to the email, or we're we're just be, gonna be disregard aware. it completely. Yes, so beware. you're held to a high standard. Moving on, let's take a look at the Bethany Lutheran Vikings. They ended up being technically the four seed, but now with Scholastica gone, they're the third best returning team. They lost to the Saints in the semifinals by 18. And when was the last time you could have said that they were held to just 53 points, Ryan? Kind of a bitter way to end the season for the Vikings, a team that's been known for scoring a lot of points per game. Last year, they averaged 81 a game. But again, this is something I kind of want to point out as a whole for this conference, they play at such a high pace that these teams allow a lot of points. Bethany allowed 80 a game. North Central was allowing, I believe, uh, up above 75, 77, and then Northwestern was in that range. So a lot of these teams allow a lot of points because of the pace they play. And I think a big key for this conference as a whole this upcoming season is going to be which team's defense steps up and kind of makes those big plays and big games because we know what all these offenses can do and Bethany is no different when you look at what they have coming back Brian Smith first team all conference to me I'm gonna say it now he's gonna be my pick for the preseason conference player of the year and that's saying with all the talent Northwestern has and with all the talent that North Central has and all these other guys in this conference that could win it to me he's gonna be my preseason pick to win the conference player of the year He shoots the three ball well, just under 40%, does so much for that team. But not only that, Ryan, I think he's going to be more explosive because he's got another potential conference player of the year back, as far as we know, healthy in Kyrie Mayfield. He's a guy that just played two games last year, Ryan, and we know what he can do when he's on the court based on his performance two years ago. So to have him back paired with Smith as your backcourt, they have their top eight scorers back. Again, as far as we know, and they're not really losing anything. So Bethany is a team I think that really could challenge those top teams and even potentially end up being a favorite as the season moves along with all they have coming back and the way they can score the basketball. They're going to be a really, really tough team to defend and a fun team to watch. Yeah, that's the key with them, Why You hit the nail on the head. They're going to score a lot. Defense is you know, going to take them where, wherever they want to go, if you will. We know... From time to time, the offense may dip here and there, and that's where defensively they're going to have to step up in those games against the top-tier competition in the UMAC. If that's a Northwestern, if that's a North Central, their defense is going to have to come through, and that's how far this team will go. Because looking up and down that roster, sometimes I think they can be very good shooting in a contest, but you sometimes worry about if you play a team like Northwestern who wants to grind the game down. Northwestern can run here and there, but we know – Throughout the years, that club has liked to slow it down from time to time and just play half-court, grind-it-out game. If you don't allow them to get those transition buckets to play fast, you know, Wyatt, it's going to be interesting this year to watch. A healthy Kyrie Mayfield, we hope, for the whole season next to Brian Smith. Those guys want to go, 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 go and make the opposing coach burn a timeout real quick and gas the other squad in the first couple of minutes And then around them, they just do an awesome job spacing the floor and everyone is ready to spot up and let it fly for them. So defensively is going to determine everything, I think, for them. Can they do enough defensively to improve, to allow themselves to not be so reliant on the offense where they got to be 
scoring upwards of 90-plus points a game to win these big games against these clubs who, again, they're going to slow them down. And how often do we see in the game of basketball, White, you have to find ways to win games in a number of different ways. Do you want to play fast? We can do that for a stretch. Do you want to slow it down in the half court, have a rock fight? We can do that. Do you want to play Virginia or Wisconsin type of basketball where you're only going to get limited possessions and you got to be able to win only scoring 55, 60 points? We can do that. I think that's going to be the thing to watch early this season for Bethany before we get to conference play. What's maybe a difference we see from them defensively this season before we hit that conference stretch and can really tell, okay, can they test the Northwesterns? Can they test the North Centrals and be in that top tier real close with those two? Yeah, we saw what happened when they played on the road in the Erickson Center last year, and Northwestern basically was able to stop their transition, and Bethany just had no offense in the half court. So taking that next step, watching them defensively, and that's why I bring it up when we were talking about them is because Defense as a whole in this conference is kind of the key, but for Bethany, that's that's really what's going to make this team go. Like you said, we know what they can do offensively. So another team that will be fun to watch. But, yeah, I think with that backcourt, as long as Mayfield is healthy, is a scary backcourt and something to keep an eye on this year as we move forward. Crown College, 4-4 four and four in conference play. Weird end of the season, Ryan, because they didn't get the opportunity to play in the UMAC tournament due to COVID-19 protocols. So just kind of a weird way for them to end their season. What's your outlook for them coming into this year? Yeah, I think there's a lot of optimism, you know, for the program as well, though, and obviously unfortunate that you mentioned they weren't able to finish the season how they would have liked to, but they've been a threat maybe just below that top tier, if you will, the last couple years, but they played against Northwestern, and what would have that been? I believe that would have been 20... 2019, I think that was actually in that UMAC semifinal before the Eagles. With, with Wendell and, yeah. yep. and the Erickson service rocking. That was the game Northwestern literally shot like yeah. 90% from they were, the field, it felt like. Yeah, the first half, I think they scored upwards of 50-plus. I mean, they shot out of their mind for that first half. I don't know what happened with the Eagles that night. But, yeah, Tim Wendell is a name that Crown basketball fans are, are not going to uh, forget for a long time. They wish he could uh, still be around somehow as a six- or seven-year guy, whatever that would be. But, uh, obviously, turning the page to move forward. But one matchup I want to mention, why not just because it was against Northwestern last season, but you and I saw Crown and Northwestern face off early in UMAC play in January and you could see they were still trying to figure a lot of things out. They had a lot of guys not available that night, unfortunately, to make the trip to Northwestern. And so this was the most wow result to me, maybe, honestly, the whole conference season. It's something I did not see coming whatsoever. Eagles seemed to be doing just fine on a roll heading into the matchup at Crown late February last season. And Crown goes out. They hold the Eagles to 62 points on just 26% shooting from the field, and they beat Northwestern by 14, 76-62, in a matchup that I didn't see coming whatsoever. They got some huge contributions from Micah Moan. He's back. He was 4 of 6 from downtown from them. If our roster update here is correct for them, he should be back on the squad this season. And then Jacob Van Dam as well off the bench, 5 for 6 from deep. And we talk about it with so many teams in this conference, Wyatt, but it does matter. When you can get rotational players who space the floor to knock down open threes, it opens up so much for them. As we mentioned earlier, 
They're losing a guy who did a lot for them the last multiple years in Christian Moore. He's on Northwestern now, so he's one of the starting five that they lose. But their leading score last year at just under 15 points a game, Seth Royston, I hope I'm pronouncing that last name correctly. That's how I I would say it. He's a senior on this club, so they have that going for them, and they have some other experience as well. I mentioned Moan. I mentioned Van Dam off the bench as well. So they have some scoring coming back on this club, and then I think there's a lot of opportunities open for the taking, if you will. Them, like so many programs, affected by COVID last year, Wyatt, and not getting normal practices together, having some guys missing for games. So Coach Herbert and his club are going to have plenty of opportunities for their guys to step forward, if you will, step into a role. But I think this is another one of those squads, like we talked about last week on the Women's Pod, maybe you would say in Tier 2 to start the season, but could have the potential to get close to that Tier 1, if you will. I know we haven't officially maybe even set tiers yet in this conference, but I think Crown maybe just on the outside but looking in can go as far as they want this year in the conference. Maybe it's a stretch you could say that they could win the conference at this point, but honestly, they're another squad with Scholastica leaving opens the door for them to step through if they choose to do so this year in the UMAC. Here's the deal, Ryan. I can't make any kind of of a prediction with these guys because they're just one of the weirdest teams I've ever seen. 13 different guys that started a game last year. To me, it never really felt like they found their core group almost, and they were just playing so many different guys and rotating them in and out. As far as we know, they have a ton coming back, but now you lose more as he's on his way to Northwestern. There's just so many unknowns with this team. It's just really hard for me to know how good they are. To me, they're by far the biggest wild card in the men's side of things in the conference coming into this year. So yeah, I'll be excited to see what they do, what they're able to bring to the table. And like you said, maybe even just beyond that outside, if we were to separate into tiers, I'd think they'd be in that second tier. But the way they ended their season, I think you got to gotta think there's a lot of hope coming back just when you win a game like they did against Northwestern and were able to shut them down so effectively. There's a lot of hope and excitement when you come back into this year because of that. So there'll be a team to keep an eye on, but just some really weird, weird things with their roster. So I, I don't know. I have a yeah. tough time really gauging how good they are or what to expect from them this year, and it'll be interesting to see where they go also got to give a yeah real quick before we move on i want to make one quick adjustment why i misspoke mike amone i believe will not be back for this club i believe he graduated last year so that's one who won't be back but yeah you hit you hit the nail on the head again why i think this is a team especially that is absolutely loving this time right now to get a couple weeks of practice in with a full complement of guys again we don't know that we don't have the inside sources some squads still could be dealing with positive COVID tests and guys not being able to practice, but something more normal coming into this season, having a normal non-conference stretch, hopefully before they hit conference play will be huge this season for crown. If they can do that. For sure. And I was just going to say shout out to Carter Bainey elk river elk guy where I graduated from. He's going to be a sophomore this year at crown got some minutes last year. So I'll be interested yeah. to see Big where things he to come fits from into him. the rotation. I, you know, he's, he's solid. We were playing this summer, uh, some open, open gym out on the Morel court. You know, Ryan, you haven't got the invite to that yet, but maybe, maybe one, day. maybe soon. I heard you were it, lacing him up yesterday. How did that go? Yeah, you know it's amazing <laughs> how much basketball is muscle memory. If uh, <laughs> you know the Toby Keith song, "I'm not as good as I once was, but I'm 
good once as I ever was. That's not even me at this point. I'm just <laughs> just throwing the towel on there for exercise, and maybe we'll get it back at some I, point. But folks, I think Wyatt's full of it. I th- you're maybe not as good as you were, but I still think you can handle yourself all right. So yeah, you got some game that you won't talk about, but we'll just leave it there. If you say so. But, uh, yeah, no, got to give him a shout-out since he's from Elk River. I'll see how he fits into the rotation. But he did get some minutes last year and showed some promise there for Crown, so I'll be interested to see how he fits into the rotation. And then the other thing to mention, Ryan, and this is kind of kind of going off track a little bit as far as on-the-court stuff, but there's, there's some tragedy right now with Crown. They're playing this season yeah. for a former player in Keegan, and I'm not sure how to say his last name. I think o- it's O-U-G, yeah. O-U-G? Yeah. And, I mean, you're you're aware of it as anybody within the conference is that he passed away, and so you know Coach Herbert's going to have his guys ready to go right from the get-go this season, and they're playing this season for him, and so it, it's obviously a terrible thing that happened, but don't underestimate what Crown is going to be able to do this year. Absolutely. And we, we just pray and hope that uh, – they're they're continuing to work through that and yeah uh, bring those group wish... of guys closer together and yeah we uh... exactly so uh th- thoughts and prayers will always be with them as they they progress through with that so uh anyways moving on from that now we can get back onto the court we're gonna move on to superior and uh this again is a team that you have ryan but i'll have a few things to say about them as well once you're done uh, a team that only played seven games last year and they were all conference games what are you thinking about the Yellow Jackets this year? Yeah, you hit you hit uh, the nail on the head there yet again, White. That was going to be my first thing to mention is not being able to have really any rhythm to their season. I mean, I'm just looking at their schedule right now from last year. They weren't even able to play their first game of the whole season until February, and then they're postponed with their next two, and then they finally get one. Then they're postponed again. Then they get one. Then they're postponed again. Then they get one. Then they're postponed again, and then they finish out with three games in they were this close to moving on to the UMAC semis, Wyatt. They lose 71-70 to to Bethany in Mankato, just barely missing an opportunity to be playing on semifinal Saturday. So for Superior heading into this season, I think you just got to say, honestly, you know what? Let's not look too much into last year. I mean, we'll take the experience that we got, but they, much like Crown, are looking forward to having a much more normal buildup to their season this year. And, you know... They have some returners coming back on this squad. Is hang on a second. I just pulled up something else, and I can't get uh, my roster back here. So as I'm trying to get oh, don't that, don't worry. Back, take your time. We all we we got all day, right? No worries. <laughs> I mean, as you mentioned earlier, we don't actually have all day because it is. You're uh, right. Somewhat, it's uh, somewhat late tonight, but uh, eleven o'clock for those who are wondering at the moment. But you know, we're out here grinding. We're we're doing it for the people, Wyatt. We're doing it for the people. So anyway, now that I finally got uh, our roster pulled back up here. Ackley and Vogel are both going to be counted on as guards on this squad, both juniors coming back for them. And then as you look down at the uh, stat sheet for them last season, what they were able to do, Vogel leading them in scoring, Javon Walker second in scoring, Ackley not too far behind for this club. So they have some guys coming back, those three, Walker, Ackley, Vogel, all juniors for that club. What I'm worried about, what are they going to get from the 4-5? We saw a couple years ago, was it Veek? Malinkovic from uh, Serbia. Yeah, Do you bid. remember who I'm talking about? We just, bid? We, when we talked to uh, former Northwestern basketball standout Tanner Youngberg, he said everybody just calls him Vid. Okay. Okay, I didn't remember that. That's a, that's so, a good tidbit. He, he signed, yeah, professionally somewhere I saw. Are you serious? Like European? In like, in, yeah, in like a Euro League or something. Wow. So 
He was a force to handle down low, very strong physical player. But anyways, why why bring well, him up? Well, I bring him up because I think for them that one season, I mean, that was a huge difference for them. They were riding in. I think they played Northwestern in February where each were 5-0 and or 6-0, and and they had the best season they had in a long time. And so I think that's going to be a huge key this season for uh, – Coach Pulowski and his club, what can they get from the 4-5 position? What are they going to do against clubs who are bigger than them? Because that's what I see is their biggest you know, uphill battle moving forward. I think they can have some scoring from the guards' positions, but what are they going to get from the big men, and can they compete with the other bigs in this league? You know, Henry Fonbele, we talk about for Northwestern up front. We talk about those two bigs for North Central already earlier, and Cam Thomas and uh, Jonathan Thompson. Guys of those nature who have experience in this league and who have proven they're not just a force offensively but defensively as well. Because otherwise, Wyatt, I think for the Jackets, it's going to be a lot of scoring outside of the paint, and then hopefully they can send five guys to the glass and limit your rebounding opportunities. Because otherwise, I think getting on the glass and just being competitive there and then somehow trying to hold the other team from dominating you in the paint is going to be the biggest key for Superior. So much like Bethany, I think they have some talent offensively, but defensively maybe some more struggles than other teams in this conference moving forward if they want to compete near that top tier and have a chance to make some noise in postseason play. I'm a very straightforward person, so I'll just come out and say it. They're my dark horse this year. You know how I said yeah. the team team in the women's side, I was looking to take a big step was Martin Luther men's side it's superior remember like you said this was a team they were competing for a umac championship not that long ago and they have a core group of players that are coming back vogel and uh i'm gonna say his name wrong ackley 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 okay i always want to say ackley but ackley and vogel for sure are going to be the motor that makes this team go and I, i think there's enough enough there when you talk about walker and then xavier patterson's another one that's back and you look at these guys and you say this is a team that's got a n- nice little group together that could make some damage. So I think they'll take that step. I was encouraged to see they ended the year only losing by one to Bethany. And to me, they're a team that could definitely make some noise. And so you said a lot of great things about them. I would just repeat a lot of that as well. However, they are going to have to improve on the glass. They had a negative rebounding margin last year. They're also going to have to take care of the ball better. They had a negative turnover margin by like three a game. So if they can do those two things and not hurt themselves in that way, they're going to improve a lot this year, I think, and be in a lot of games. They're not a team to overlook by any means. And it could be, you know, from the international side of things, once again, Wyatt, I mean, I could let you say this name, but I guess I'll just give a whirl at it. He started last season in the last game against Bethany. I hope I pronounced this correctly. He'll be a senior this year. Solimane Guyi the senior out of Paris, and then Enrique Sanchez is a junior, also with some size, 6'6", out of Madrid. So maybe, again, for Superior, it comes down to, can they get some post-production from a European, and that could potentially have a huge determining factor in how far this club could go. been watching uh, Gonzaga lately, and they're going after the bigs <laughs> from all the uh, other countries, I guess, but... Yeah, no no question. I'm glad you bring that up. That'll be something to keep an eye on moving forward into this season and just how they mix and match their lineup. So next team on the list is the University of Minnesota Morris, the Cougars. We'll maybe go through some of these last ones a little bit quicker. Dylan Hader is, to me, kind of the big story here. Hyder, Hader, either way, 
16 points per game. He was a UMAC honorable mention. To me, he has to be a second, if not first, team selection if Morris is going to have a special season. He's the guy that scores a lot for him. They also got Jarrett Johnson. He was an honorable mention as well with 12.5 points per game. As far as I know, they're both back based on what I saw on their rosters. They score 79 a game, but they allow 84 last year. So again, defense is going to have to be better. Can they get enough stops in order to be in games down the stretch? They won three conference games, so they showed that they could compete within the conference and they're maybe in that second tier like we said, Ryan, but... Again, this is a team, there's just some things they're going to have to clean up if they want to even consider being in that top tier, and they have a little bit of work and improvement to do, but I also think there's enough there with Hyder and Johnson to maybe lead a charge and potentially make some noise this year, but it's going to take a lot of work. Yeah, you got Kenneth Riley manning the point as well, the senior, and you know, like so many teams in this conference... It's exactly that, Wyatt. It's defensively buying in. And do you think it's maybe a little easier for a team to buy in defensively with lots of experience on the team? Or is there anything to that? Do you wish you had some more new blood, if you will, to change things around defensively? Or do you think my question doesn't make a lot of sense and that it doesn't really matter no, what I, year I, you are to buy in defensively? I was just saying, I think, I think I know what you're getting at. And I would say for this particular group, it almost helps that they've been there for a while because they've seen – with the way they've played defense and the points they allow per game, it just doesn't work. You know, they yep. haven't had much success because of that. It also doesn't help to have a few guys come in and be just junkyard dogs and say, I'm just going to get after it and help. But to have that group, they understand what is expected of them and what needs to happen. And again, something that they should take very personal is when Noah Alm broke the scoring record say, last yep. year yep. at Morris and they just could not stop him. And to me, that's that moment where you, you figure out and look yourself in the mirror and say, we have got to get better moving forward. So Well, well, and there's there another team wide real quick that we should talk about on the glass. Northwestern, 22 offensive rebounds in that game. Yeah. Can't, can't, can't have it. I mean, yep. to be honest, you're hoping they have what? 35 rebounds a game maybe is is what you hope for defensively and you allow 22 offensively. It's just a major problem. So there's some things to work on, but I, I think there's there's pieces there and some some to get excited about if you're a Cougars fan and yeah, uh, the, the, they'll have their chance. They they're not going to be able to. You can't afford, I should say, to lose games that you're expected to win, and you're going to have to maybe even steal one or two at some point in conference play to give yourself a decent shot for the tournament. From what I can count, though, from where they were at the last part of last season they have all five starting five coming back and that's you know that's not saying nothing that means something and like we said can those group of upperclassmen band together and find a way to just buy in defensively more and some people are saying well it's a lot harder than to just buy in I mean some of these teams are tough to slow down and we understand that we get that but we're working on limited material here and for some of these teams offensively the talent's just not there versus some of these other squads that we see in the conference so unless you step it up some defensively it's going to make your margin for error very, very small to get some wins, like you mentioned, where they're going to have to try to steal a couple on the road. But as you said, when they're facing that second to third tier at home, they're going to need a rocking atmosphere, and they're going to need to get those wins at home, especially this season. I agree with that. The Jim Gremmel's court is going to have to be alive throughout the season. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Well, what do you mean by alive? Because it's the, the big gym that's well yeah never that's, got enough people in it because yes 
Well, that's that's a whole nother thing. Is that it's that, that place that place is tough to fill? You're right. It can still be alive without being totally full. I mean, it doesn't have to be that. So that's fair. So yeah, that's that. I, I think we kind of covered what we needed to with them and uh, a team that I think could make the tournament, but there there's some work to be done with them. Moving on, Martin Luther is next, Ryan, and this one is you. I'll let you say what you have to say. I don't have a ton on them to talk about, but uh, with your research and based on what they did last year, the one thing I know that I could bring up is they had a decent showing against the Eagles in the first round and had them on the ropes for a little bit. That was going to be one of my starting points, but before I get there, Wyatt, you mentioned your dark horse, dark horse is UW-Superior. This is my dark horse, Martin Luther, with what they have coming back. What they showed at the end of the season, 1-7 in UMAC play last year, just 2-11 overall, but do not let that record fool you. As you mentioned, they gave a lot of good teams in this conference a run for their money, and you mentioned that matchup in March, so I'll bring it up. Quarterfinal matchup on March the 4th, they're down just 7 at the half. Keep it tight in the second half. The Eagles win by just 11 at 71-60, to and they, I mean, they hunt in for a lot of that contest. Defensively, they dug in, made sure Northwestern couldn't shoot the lights out. If you told their coaching staff heading into the game, okay, guys, we're going to let up 71 to Northwestern. I'm pretty sure that Coach Holzheater's staff and their club would say, hey, we'll run that to the bank right now and we'll take our chances. Lots of scoring coming back for this club, Wyatt. We know that Joseph Hirsch likes to shoot a lot. Uh, By my count, he should be a junior turning into a senior this season. Again, at this time of recording, we're looking at last year's roster for this squad, but then plenty of guys off the bench who love to shoot the three. Jack Heichelbeck, also a junior turning into a senior. Joey Bame, a junior turning into a senior. Those are two of their leading scorers. Kieselhorst, another Polish player, a sophomore turning into a junior. So they got plenty coming back for this squad. Heichelbeck and Bame, their two leading scorers on this squad coming into um, this season from what we saw last year, both back, Reby back. So they have a lot of potential across the board. And I think athletically with what they could do, Wyatt, they caused some issues for Northwestern in the matchups that those two played last year. And the Eagles, you know, continue to hit their stride down the stretch, but holding Northwestern to just 22% from deep. I mentioned the 71 points in a game on the road in the UMAC quarterfinals. You can't ask for much better from your defense. So we talk about so many squads. Do they have it defensively? I think this club's got something going defensively that gives Northwestern fits, I believe, I'd have to check Wyatt, but I believe they play some sort of matchup zone that makes the Eagles think a little bit more. I don't think it's just a man-to-man. I've heard some people at Northwestern uh, had some rumblings after that game and just say, yeah, you know, their defense just causes us to to think a lot more and make us work a little bit harder. So that's something to watch coming into this season. And so offensively, I think it's just shot selection. Sometimes with them, I think they could work a little harder for their shots. But when they can get things under control, they can stay composed. They're not a run-and-gun team, really, but they have the size and the length to be a well-rounded enough team. I think they can make a jump in the conference and be in the middle of the pack and make some noise this year in the UMAC. Well, I like your confidence in them and that you have a dark horse because I don't even know if you provided one on the women's side of things. So uh, I, I provided two clubs who could be bounce-back clubs. I didn't say dark horse. Okay. So. No, that's 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 totally fine. I mean, if you provided two bounce back versus not, uh, you know, one dark horse, that's even better. So I know you love the dark horse term, so I'm trying to help you out here. There's a lot of terminology that I love when it comes to <laughs> basketball, but anyways, 
I, I don't have much to say on him. I mean, like you said, to me what sticks out is that performance against Northwestern, and there's a lot coming coming back with this team again, a lot of core guys, and got to give a shout-out to Joey Bame. He's a baseball player as well, which a lot of guys in Martin Luther play multiple sports, but all their guys in the baseball team, really nice guys, by the way. They're a very easy school to play against. I would assume it's the same on the basketball court, so very likable and easy to root for, so... Yeah, certainly a team to be rooting for going into this year and a, a team to keep an eye on. So uh, it's a fresh slate. We'll see what they can do with it. And maybe, like you said, Ryan, they can make some noise and win some of those closer games this season and make something happen. As we uh, move on to our last team here, Ryan, Northland. They did not get a win last year. Lost to Scalaska in the first round of the playoffs. Four of their five regular starters, based on what I'm looking at, are back, and that includes Jordan Brennan, who was a UMAC honorable mention, but they just didn't score. Only 64 points per game, and in this conference, we've been talking about the pace and how defense is a big question for all these teams. You've got to score more than 64 points a game. So to me, Northland on the rare side of things compared to the rest of the teams is going to have to find an identity offensively and find a way to score points. So... Hopefully they can get something going this year. There's not a lot to be excited about based off of last year, but again, it's a fresh slate. You got an opportunity to make a statement and do something here early on in the season and get some wins and maybe build some momentum going into conference play. We'll see what they can do, but uh, yeah, a, a team that certainly has a lot of question marks coming into this season, and we'll see if they uh, can put that together and kind of fix what happened last year. Yeah, much like their women's squad, unfortunately, Wyatt didn't get a lot of play last season, only with seven games total on the year. So I'm sure they're going to enjoy their chunk of non-conference uh, games that they have before getting to UMAC play to try to build something heading into uh, December, I should say, when that kicks off. But, I mean, worth noting, we were surprised that day to see the score at halftime. They were beating Northwestern at the half when they hosted them back in February. And you mentioned... They got to score more. 64 was all they averaged. Well, that's what they scored that afternoon, Wyatt. So they're, I think, you know, I mentioned earlier kind of in a jokingly way, but serious at the same time. For a club like that, they maybe can't slow down the pace enough and limit the possessions enough. It's going to be huge for them. Don't let up second chances. Don't turn the ball over. Be patient with the basketball in the half court. We're going to get good looks every time, and we are going to play the game on our terms as best as we can. Now, there's going to be some runouts for the other squad, but you can limit those really well by not turning the ball over. That's going to be huge for them this season. Try to keep games in that 65 to 70 point range where we don't have to score 75 plus to win. Because as you mentioned, that's going to be tough for this squad to do. So that's what Northland has to do to try to stay competitive in some of these matchups. But yeah, it's going to be an uphill climb, but as we say with so many of these clubs, Wyatt, prove us wrong. I mean, we're only looking at limited information that we can here heading into this season. Off of a unique year last year, more games on the slate this year, prove us wrong. There's plenty of season to go. We mentioned it last week. I don't think we've mentioned it yet in uh, this podcast, Wyatt, but probably should say we will rehash this exercise, if you will. In a moment, we're going to rank our one through eight. We will re-rank them before conference play starts. So... Maybe Northland slides up a little bit based on what they do in non-conference slate, in the uh, non-conference slate for them. If you want some bulletin board material for the season, cut up this section of the podcast right here and say these two knuckleheads don't know what they're talking about. Let's go prove them wrong. If you want to, you know, do that, go ahead. So, 
we'll see what uh, happens this year for Northland. But uh, land of opportunity this season, and we talk about it on the women's side a couple times, Why a huge building block year for that squad. Come up with a couple wins in conference play, build some positivity for the future, and get some very valuable playing time for some of your underclassmen this season. No, absolutely. And like you said, I love the term bulletin board material. <laughs> Find a way to... That's very ton-in-cheek, by the way, for people to actually cut this up. I mean, go ahead if you want to, but... <laughs> I mean, you might have to. Who knows? you got to motivate somehow. So we'll uh, we'll see how it goes for the Lumberjacks this year. And then likewise on the women's side, the Lumberjills. So uh, we'll, we'll keep an eye on them and see what they can do early in the season. And like you said, we'll rehash it once we get to conference play. But for right now, Ryan, we got to get into our preseason rankings here for the beginning of the season. And like you said last time, you're a fan of the suspense going backwards. So I'm assuming we're going to do the same and go 8-1. to one. I'm going to assume you're picking the team we just had at number 8, Northland, correct? That would be correct. As much as I would like to put a different team there just for the sake of being different from you, I'm also going to have Northland there. Again, based off of last year and just what other teams have coming back as well, I think you just got to put Northland there for now. And again, we'll rehash this and revisit it and see if we can mix it up a little bit. But for now, that's that's where they're going to be. I'll let you take the next one. Number seven, I've got Martin Luther. I'm guessing if based off what you said, you might have them a little bit higher if they're your dark horse. Maybe not, but I just don't see enough teams in front of them that they could potentially jump or pass. So for me, they're going to be at seven, but I do agree that they might be a fun team to watch this year, and they're just going to have to win some of those closer games and make some opportunities for themselves. But for now, I'm going to put them at seven. And to be honest, I almost had them down at eight for a little while, but then I thought to myself I got to put them at seven we'll we'll put Northland at eight for the time being so they get the seven spot for me I do not have Martin Luther at seven you would be correct in predicting that I have Minnesota Morris at seven what uh what well first do you have Martin Luther at six then We'll wait and see. Why do you have to know if I well, have them I was, at six? <laughs> well, because I have Morris at six, and then if you okay. have them at six, I do not we have Martin talk Luther about at the six. differences. But you don't. Wow, you really have them with a high jump. Okay, interesting. So this is going to be a little bit different for us, I guess, than the women's side where we were fairly similar. Um, okay, moving on from that, I'll talk about my number six then, I guess, which is Morris. The reason I have them a little bit higher than you did is because I just I think there's enough there where they can win a few games, maybe steal a game or two. I think they've proven they can score at times. They just have to put it all together now. And if they can do that, I see them as a team that has got an opportunity to compete for a playoff spot, not necessarily get in, which is why I have them on the outside looking in, but a a team that's, to me, worthy than higher than seven, which is where you have them. All right, now we'll move on to number six. I have UW Superior, the Yellow Jackets at number six. Interesting. You're not going to give any context or background as to why? No, I, I, I can. The biggest, the biggest question for me is what do they get out of their post play? I mean, what do they get from the glass? How do they stay competitive rebounding? How do they keep teams from dominating them in the post if they can penetrate that initial line of defense, if you will? And until proven otherwise, that's just a big question for me, but something for sure that I'm going to be watching in non-conference play as we head towards conference play here. Yeah, I mean, I I agree. There's probably a lot of questions that need to be answered, no question about it. And 
that that's the great thing about why we're going to do this exercise again before conference play starts, and we're going to get a chance to watch these teams, see what they can produce, and then go from there. I actually have Crown at number five uh, in my next one, and again, the reason for that is because, like I said when we were going over their team preview, there's so many, to me, unknowns about this team and just what their foundation is going to be coming into this year, what their core group of guys are going to be. And with all the unknowns coming off of a COVID year and with the way it ended last year, there's just a lot of different ways I could see their season going. And because of that, I'm going to put them at five in the middle of the pack. And to me, that's the best I can do for them right now. Very similar to my same logic. There's just not enough that I can see from the past to push them any further than five. I think they have potential to rise up to number four, maybe even potentially number three, but just too many unknowns here as we uh, look into this season. All right, I'll let you go first now as we get to our uh, top half. Of so who do you think my number four is then? I got to assume at this point it's Martin Luther. And it is. As much as I was going to say, if you have him any higher, I would have to <laughs> have to wonder what, what's going on. But Yeah, I you know, maybe I'm putting too much stock into this, Wyatt, but I look a lot at how teams finished the last season. If it felt like, you know, let's just – get to the finish line, throw in the towel. This whole year's been weird anyway. Let's just kick the can down the road to next year and look forward to what's to come ahead. That team looked like they were very connected. They were having a lot of fun playing. They had an identity, especially defensively, as I mentioned. Shoring some things up offensively for what they want to do there I think is the biggest thing going into this next year. But I like the production that's coming back for that squad. And again, I think the record from last year is very, very misleading. And maybe it's just because Wyatt, I was fortunate enough to see him play twice inside the Erickson Center with my own eyes. And ironically enough, you were missing in action both of those days on the call. So maybe that's why, you know, you have them a little bit lower. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, maybe maybe that's factoring into it a little bit. But yeah, I think uh, Martin Luther could definitely make a jump this season. We probably do have our own biases for why we put teams at certain spots, not to look into it too much or read into it. But I'm trying to be totally transparent on this thing, Wyatt. I don't know what you're trying to do no, for that's, this podcast, that's... but I'm trying to be 100% transparent. All I want is your <laughs> honesty 100% of the time. Good deal. That's all I want. I can, I can give you that. For. I can give you that. My number four is Superior, uh, which you had him at six, right? That's correct. Okay. Yeah, I've got him up at four. I, I think with Vogel and uh, Ackley, it, it's a team that's there's there's enough there to me, even with the uncertainties. There's some uncertainties and question marks with these other teams. I feel like I know more about them than I do Crown. So because of that, I think they can get back into the thick of things and potentially even compete for a, uh, a, a team that, to be honest, when they... They play whoever they play in the playoffs. Let's say if they get the four and they play that one seed, they give them a game, and it's not something you can just look over. I mean, this this is where I see this team going and being, and they could be a real contender. So I think there's enough there for me to put them in the four spot. And, yeah, for all the reasons I said with Vogel and with Ackley, and so that, that, that's what I have with Superior. Some drama coming here down to the wire. Well, so... Finally, we have the same three teams in the top three spots after we had quite a mix-up from eight through four. So Which we'll is see the beauty if we get on the same open. page now. I'm sure people like that, you know, we weren't so 
similar, if you will, from eight uh, through four as we are we're on the women's side. But do you we're want just, me? To, do you want me to call, give my number three first? Yeah, I want you to go first. We're just calling it how we see it, as best as we can see it at this point. Again, the vision will get clearer and clearer throughout the season. At least we hope so. All right. Without further ado, I got Bethany Lutheran at number three in the conference. Do you have the same I, thing? I have North Central. Wow, okay. We continue to keep it interesting. All right. We're going to, you know, I just had this idea pop into my head. We're going to release a poll this uh, week sometime once this podcast gets released, and we're going to say who had the better uh preseason poll and we'll see what the fans think as far as okay. where they're looking at the conference coming into the year because we're both very different on these well you know i'm gonna need some martin luther fans to uh chip in and get in on <laughs> that's that that's probably a good point you, you got you're gonna need some ways. superior people and uh yeah we'll look very at it from true. there <laughs> no i i went north central and number three and again i would argue that i mean to me not to spoil it now, even though it kind of does by saying this, but number three and two are interchangeable in, in a lot of ways. But to me, North Central gets the three because I think they almost overachieved a little bit last year, which which they had a great season. But can they sustain that again this year with a longer season and just, you know, with the fact that you play every conference team twice? Did only having to play everybody once actually help them? So... I don't know. I, I like a lot about this team, but to me, at the same time, knowing the other two teams that are in front of them in Northwestern and Bethany, it's just kind of tough for me to put them above either of those teams, knowing how potent their offenses are going to be. How do you think that Brian Smith and Kyrie Mayfield coexist in that offense this year? That's that's what I'm interested in. Well, you're see saying there's only one, one ball? No, well, I mean... Sir, in a way, don't you think, you know, Brian changed his style of play a heck of a lot when Kyrie was out throughout the season? I mean, obviously he had to, but then at the end of the year, you mentioned Kyrie's back, but he only mentioned what you, you said he played two games last year. That was it? In in their stats, that's what they had yeah. before was two games. In so the now he's back for a full season. We know he has experience with the team, but he hasn't been back in that role for some time. What do we get from Brian Smith now at shooting guard? Well, here's the deal. And he's a guy that I played against in high school. He was on one of the best high school teams in the state. Uh, my sophomore year may have been, or maybe even my senior year. He was never the go-to guy because they had McKinley Wright and Theo John that both went D1. So Yeah, Champlin was that. okay, weren't they? They were just all right. Well, they, they always found a way to choke in the state championship, and then yeah. it made the Northwest Suburban look like we, we weren't as good, and that's a whole other topic, too, <laughs> as far as the best best conference in the state of Minnesota when it comes to basketball. But, yeah, I mean, he, he's a guy. I'm not worried about him as much as I am Kyrie and how he readjusts. You know what I mean? Because Smith was in the rotation last year, and I think he can easily go back to a – shooting guard role and yeah. find a way to maybe not be as big of an impact but how does Kyrie reinsert himself and how much trust does he get from the players and the coaching staff and you're right I mean it is going to be important to keep an eye on that and see how they mesh together but I'd be more worried about Mayfield than I would Smith coming into this year but I think they'll figure it out it may take a little bit but I think they figure it out and by the time conference play rolls around they're, they're going to be tough to stop. With those two, I don't think there's any other team in the conference who wants to play faster. Do you? When those two are healthy, I think they want to play faster than anyone. 
Not a question. Even with just the one with Smith last year, you could argue Bethany wanted to play faster than anybody in the conference. So it's it's what their identity is. We always talk about a team having an identity. Bethany has theirs. They're going to play quick. And why wouldn't you when you got guys like that and you can push the ball up the floor? Absolutely. Just a question if they can get enough stops for sure. So now moving forward. Well, wait, you, you have them as number two, you said. I should explain why. Well, I kind of did explain why. I have Bethany as number three um, instead of North Central. Yeah, I didn't officially say it, but I kind of tipped my hand. So, yes, I have Bethany at two. Sure. I, I would say the same thing, Wyatt. They're pretty interchangeable. I guess I just have Bethany just a little bit lower because North Central was, again, kind of similar to Martin Luther. I liked how they were playing down the stretch at the end of last season. Fuqua is going to be big. His status this season, I don't know when he's going to come back, but when he does come back, is he near the same player because we always talk about, oh, they're back from injury, insert them back in the lineup, and let's roll again. It was a pretty, I think it was an ankle injury, I want to say. Are you the same player coming back? Can you still have the same impact when you get back on the floor? And if you don't right away, how long does it take? I think that's going to be massive for them. And you mentioned him earlier. I'm going to mention him again. Micah Filer, maybe the most important player on that team. He oftentimes is tasked with guarding the best player on the other team and then also trying to fill it up offensively for them. Excellent three-point shooter. I think they go as far as those two take them, Micah Filer and Seth Fuqua, and then I think you're going to see risen production from Thomas and Thompson, those two posts who are going to be freshmen turning into sophomore. I just think they're a little deeper, a couple more options, and better defensively just by a hair than Bethany. But I tell you what, I think those are going to be some great matchups this year. Downtown U taking on another club who loves to shoot the three ball. Bethany versus North Central. Those those are going to be some good ones this season. Downtown U trade market. I mean, how much do you think uh, we're going to be saying that on the podcast this year as we go? We're along? giving them I mean, some serious love this time. You know, I have it written down on my sheet of notes here. I didn't me- I didn't mean to mention it this many times, but it just keeps coming up time and time again. It's catchy. No, I I think you've kind of hit on both of them, really what I would say as well, and we just have that slight difference with them being at 3-2, and but they're very interchangeable, and those matchups will be extremely fun to watch as we get into them this season. Is there really that much that needs to be said about Northwestern being one that we haven't already covered? No, I mean, you folks can call us homers if you want, uh, listening to this thing, but they're the defending national champions, 17-3 and last year. Really, almost everything coming back for them. Sure, there's a couple questions, but just with the production alone that's coming back, I mean, if you disagree with us, okay, but I'd, I'd like to hear a reason why, if you Let's will. hear the argument, yeah, <laughs> yeah. and the logic, yeah. and then we can talk about this, even have you on the podcast and debate it. But, no, they have, they have everything, Ryan. I mean, when you continue to win as much as they have, not only in the conference, but I think they're the winningest D3 program in the state of Minnesota in like the last 10 years that would be or correct, something yep. like that. Yep. And and so how do you not put them number one to begin the year? And then we'll, we'll see how things play out in the first couple of weeks. But with everything they have coming back, the fact that they won the conference last year, and really the only challenge they got was from Scholastica outside of the one game they dropped against Crown. And now Scholastica is not even in the conference. So... The Eagles are going to be the team at the top. The other ones are going to be chasing them. We'll see if anybody can take them down. But, yeah, they're they're more than deserving to be in the number one spot. Do you want to do those uh, preseason player of the year predictions? Since we did do it on the women's side, we both uh, well, we both agreed I mean, it was Geisfeld. But... Again, I tipped my hat. So, yeah, I've got Bethany sweeping these, I guess, which is Brian Smith, which I haven't 
completely considered the fact that Mayfield's going to be back and how big of a role Smith is going to have. Maybe it helps Smith, though. If the ball is kind of what I was and thinking. he can be more focused on a spot-up shooting role, maybe that helps him. Oh, we know how much he can shoot from three and how, how good he can be. So, yeah, I think with Mayfield back, he becomes more explosive. But that also could come back to bite me, and he maybe isn't even as big of a role as he has been. So there's obviously a lot of safe safe picks as well. You could pick a Noah Alm or a Kyle K. Mink, and, I mean, there's other guys in the conference that you could choose. But I'm going to go with Smith, and obviously with Geisfeld, I, I got Bethany sweeping the Player of the Year awards. I do not uh, have Bethany sleep, sweeping the uh, Player of the Year awards. I have Henry Fonboule as the Player of the wow. Year in the UMAC. Just will be a sophomore this year. But I said it a little bit earlier. I'll say it again, Wyatt. How he grew in the month of March in those games in the UMAC playoffs and in the NCCAA National Tournament that the number one shot is nice, the buzzer beater to keep the season alive. Obviously, that's a moment he's going to remember forever. But he didn't let that define him to just end his season, if you will. He was dominant in Winona Lake, Indiana, both ends of the floor, I think is the big thing for Henry. The number of shots he's going to block, what he's going to be able to do against opposing posts to neutralize them, ability to run the floor. He's not just a, you know an old-school post player where, hey, slow down the offense, let me get positioning, and then let me jog over to the other end, give me a chance to breathe. No, he can go, 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 go as long as you want. He looked pretty ready and good to go on a Thursday, this uh, past Thursday at Eagle Madness for Northwestern. Uh, he's still got the high-flying ability to throw down and transition. And all that flashy stuff is fine, but just the number of tools in his bag as far as post moves go. And then what did we see so much at the end of last season, Wyatt? You couldn't defend the guy because he's stepping out and he's hitting these huge threes when the Eagles need a bucket or at the end of the game. And as a post defender, you're like, Okay, I'm gonna allow him to shoot that, right? Like, what am I gonna do if he can step out you, and you shoot that and make have it? To. Yeah, yeah, what yeah, choice you do you have? Live with it. So, Henry Fonboule, the sophomore for Northwestern, is my player of the year prediction. I would say that's more bold than mine for Smith, and I even thought yeah. Smith was a little bold. So, we're bold here, Wyatt. You know, you said on your former podcast, what was the saying? Make bold predictions because you never know. Yeah, something along the lines of that. I, I don't even remember. I just know we used to say you never know a lot on that yeah. show. But anyways, yeah, uh, we'll we'll keep an eye on that as well as the season progresses because once we get into conference play, Ryan, we'll be doing some fantasy basketball and taking some players. And I'll have to keep that in mind. You you think highly of him, so you might be going after him early when we, we do our draft. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I mean, there's definitely an argument to be made for it. and. But we'll see if it pans out in the kind of season he has. So with that, Ryan, anything that you want to add as we put a close on to this? Maybe just, again, how people can get a hold of us and uh, download the podcast episodes if you want. That's how we keep track of things, stuff like that. Anything to say? Yeah, again, if, if you're not already aware, the inbox is open, DMs are open. You can search us on Twitter, unlike any other, the UMAC, and then uh, the inbox is open as well. UAO the umac that's all one word all lowercase at gmail.com we're checking that frequently and we're in the process of lining up to get some uh, coaches on the show so we're looking forward to that so if you're listening to this long podcast and you're saying all right can you get some guys on who actually know what they're talking about can give us more insider info so it's not you guys just shooting the breeze as wyatt mentioned last time for these first couple it's just he and i breaking it down before the season starts but wyatt we're looking to continue to build 
throughout the season. I mentioned some gopher football terms last time. We're trying to go brick by brick. That is not P.J. Fleck. That was a Jerry roll the kill boat. from a ways back. But, yeah, we're rowing as well. You know, gophers are rowing. Row, row, row the boat. We're looking forward to that Iowa matchup, the showdown. And then everything will be on the line. Thanksgiving weekend, hosting Wisconsin, TCF Bank rocking. Not TCF anymore, actually. Huntington Bank Stadium rocking. But uh, we'll That's, leave it at yeah. that for gopher football. But, yes, that's how you can reach out to us. We're looking to continue to build this thing, and uh, we're recording officially, as you mentioned, why on Monday night, the 25th, and so we're officially just over a week out, less than two weeks from games officially taking place in the UMAC Conference. Again, not conference games, but non-conference tilts, the 5th and the 6th of November are going to be some action going on. Can't wait. Yeah, it's a great time of the year, no no doubt about it. It also makes you make some decisions, though, with college football still rolling and now basketball season begins to play, but it's a good problem to have as far as how you spend your time and what games you choose to watch. So That's what it, the DVR is be... for. That's what multiple screens are for. I know you're hooked up up there in Crixton, Wyatt. I know you'll have eyes on all of Yeah, them. I've got an unbelievable <laughs> man cave set up here, just a, a perfect setup, but... Uh, <laughs> No, I've never been one to record. But anyways, we're, we're speaking of Monday night recording right now. We're getting close to Tuesday morning, so I'm not going to uh, keep it rolling here too much longer. As Ryan said last time we recorded, if you made it this far and listened all the way through, thank you for sticking with us. Yeah, let us know. along. Shoot us and... an email if you say, yeah, I listened to the whole thing and I heard you say that because we did not get an email of anyone saying that last week. So you there know. you go. You could be the first. (laughs) The UMAC at gmail.com. That almost tells me they maybe didn't even get to the end or anybody listened to the end at that point if they didn't hear us say that. Some people said they listened through the whole thing, but maybe they just zoned out at that point. Who knows? As long as it's recording, I guess, in the background. (laughs) Even if they zone out, we'll take it. We're taking baby steps here. But we will be back again the following week sometime, as Ryan said. I mean, I'm going to say we're not trying to line guests up. We're going to have some guests for you yep. to talk some hoops We're ahead making of the opening game. As we speak, yes. Yep, we will deliver on that and get some guests for you, some coaches here within the conference to talk to, and uh, it should be a good time. So look forward to that. Again, you can follow us on Twitter as well, unlike any other, the UMAC, the email, as Ryan has said multiple times, U-A-O, the UMAC at gmail.com. And I said that right. U A O yeah okay I had to right. make sure yeah, it's yeah, yeah. it's getting late it's at late. night so I just I get it just, yep. <laughs> just had to make sure I said that right sometimes I just rattle it off but thanks for listening we appreciate it any questions comments concerns let us know but with that this will be Wyatt Merrill Ryan Mitchell signing off for the unlike any other UMAC podcast we'll talk to you next time.